0: We had pure pharmaceutical-grade cocaine in the lab, and people knew that. People knew we were the coke lab.
1: Welcome to the Greener Grass podcast from Bluebird Botanicals. I'm your host, Lex Pelger. If you want a career in the cannabis industry, you need to learn about cannabis. However, there aren't many formal university level courses out there on the subject. That's where Dr. Martha Rosenthal comes in. She's a neuroscientist who teaches about cannabis and sexuality at the Florida Gulf Coast University, where she is one of the founding members. She's also a passionate firebrand and one of my favorite people to interview. With her colleagues, Dr. Rosenthal has designed courses about cannabis to educate students about the plant, its attributes, and its effects. Thanks to her, The Florida Gulf Coast University is ahead of the educational curve as the United States inches closer and closer to full legalization. So for anybody who wants to get in on this booming cannabis industry, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Martha Rosenthal. This show is brought to you by Bluebird Botanicals to spread education about cannabis and other things on the greener side of life. Bluebird CBD oil comes from farms in Southern Colorado and is grown using only water, soil, and sunlight. Go to bluebirdbotanicals.com for more info. Hello, everybody. I'm very happy to be here with Dr. Martha Rosenthal. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the show. I'm really excited uh, to have such a talented public speaker. Uh, We will link to your TED Talk about gender agenda because it is so well done. And we do like talking about sex on this show, even though we primarily focus more on psychoactives. But uh, it's such a wonderful piece of work that we want to make sure that people see it. Thank you so much. Before we get into designing the courses around cannabis and your other work at the university, um, I was curious, what was it that you wanted to do when you were very young? (laughs) Uh, Okay, I have to tell this story. (laughs) It wasn't a real life goal,
0: but I guess I was like three or four years old. My mother told me this story. And you know how in some of the nice bathrooms at public restaurants that you go in and there's uh, an attendant there and you give them money, they give you a towel. Well, apparently when I was three or four years old, that's what I wanted to do because I thought it was fabulous to stand in a bathroom and people hand you money. But my career goals changed since then. Um, Oh, gosh. Well, my mother told me when I was 10 that I was pre-med. She decided. uh, I don't think it was ever really my goal, but that was my ostensible goal for for a long time. I was pre-med throughout college and and got in and decided I didn't really want to go. So I've been in science pretty much my whole life. I'll tell you, though, I'm a reader and a writer. My favorite stuff is the humanities, but in college, I had to make a decision between the two. And I thought, you know, if I go into science, I can still read and write as a hobby, but if you go into English, it's hard to have science as a hobby. So I have a lot of different interests, but I have been studying drugs for pretty much all my
1: life. And it sounds like you have a great background for it. Um, Just to list them off, a BA in biology from UVA, and then a master's in neuropharmacology from Brown, and then a PhD in neuroscience from UCLA. And just a bunch of great programs, a bunch of different directions. And I was wondering what it was like doing science and what kind of projects you worked on uh, through this time.
0: Well, for my master's, I studied cocaine and Okay, I got to tell you some good stories. There's some good stories studying cocaine. We had a license and we had pure pharmaceutical grade cocaine in the lab and people knew that. People knew we were the coke lab. And so when you walk into the lab there, I hope I'm not giving giving this away, but you walk into the lab and there's a cabinet with a big heavy chain across the cabinet and people assumed that's where the coke was. Actually, we kept it in a drawer with the paper clips and the pencils in a crumbled paper bag because no one would think we'd hide the cocaine there. But so we studied cocaine and the effect on the brain. And then I read, I was supposed to be for a PhD program, actually, but I read an article about REM sleep. And the gist of it is that fetuses dream. <gasps> And my little brain exploded. What does a fetus dream about? And so I quit my program with a master's and moved across the country to go to UCLA to be in one of the primary uh, sleep research fields in the world. And yeah, so I started studying REM sleep from there. I do change a bit. I, get, I don't get bored with things because I'll tell you, I've been teaching physiology for 25 years and I still walk into the classroom and get all excited and wave my arms in the air because how cool it is. But I do like learning new things all the time. So, you know, I've studied drugs. I've studied the brain. I've studied sex for many years. So I, I tend to have a lot of interests <laughs> and pursue them all. Uh, can you tell us more about the sex research? Sure. That, that was an interesting journey into that. I, um, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine here at FGCU did get her degree studying sex and she was teaching a, a course in sexuality, uh, the psychology of sexuality. And I thought, hey, I could do that too. And so I uh, just did a special topics course on the biology of human sexuality. And I was just going to be a, teaching it a couple of times, but a publisher came to me because I'd done another textbook and they came to me and said, we want you to do a, te- a textbook for us. And I said, sure, I want to do one on the physiology of women. Let me do that. And I said, no, we want a textbook on sexuality. I said, but it's not my field. They said, ah, you'll do fine. And so I said, okay, I'll do a textbook on sexuality. So did a deep dive, so to speak, and, you know, a ton of research and just for 18 years, I really researched sexuality. I didn't have a lab, which people always want to know. So, I just, I did more academic pedag- uh, pedagog- pedagogical study. Um, so, I did the textbook, Um but I learned a lot and I've been teaching it pretty much every semester for 16 years.
1: What's it like teaching a sexuality class to university students, like their their interests and their and the way the class evolves? This,
0: I, I love teaching about the drugs. I love teaching this cannabis class. I think in some ways, though, the human sexuality class is my favorite. First of all, it's a captive audience. People, everyone wants to know about it. And in that class, I really feel like I'm making a difference in the world because they're coming in and they're getting... Real life questions answered, and human sexuality touches every every aspect of our lives. I mean, love and identity and parenthood and and expression—all those things are so important to who we are. And I love the opportunity to really talk honestly and openly about it. And the very first time I talked, I taught the human sexuality class we're not used to talking about these things in america we're we're fairly sex negative and can i say the word penis can i do that um i'm about to so i remember the first time teaching it and just being like penis and being like making you know, all embarrassed and you know not being able to say it but after teaching it for a while i'm penis 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 all day long uh, in restaurants i'll talk penises and you know, people turn and look and so you get really comfortable with it and that's my goal is to get the students comfortable with it. At first, first day, they're all giggly and embarrassed. But by the end, they are, gosh, they're contributing. They're talking. They're asking questions and they share. <laughs> they share their lives. They, and sometimes in front of the class, sometimes to me, they come and ask sometimes very personal questions. I got to tell you, I am honored in it, that I can be there to answer those questions and alleviate some fears and to let them know what the, what the truth is. Because we there's a lot of misinformation out there about sex uh, as there is about drugs as well. So I tend to teach things that are really important to people, but have huh, social judgments put on them. And so there's a lot of false information out there because of the social
1: judgments. It, it's great to hear somebody focusing on sexuality just because it's it's such a neglected field of science and yet evolution prizes reproduction so highly and yet western (laughs) science can't seem to get its past this victorian model of treating this like one other physiological system that we need to know more about for a lot of different reasons
0: yep yeah it it affects every
1: aspect of our lives and so just to move away from sex and drugs for a little bit um after this work (laughs) it well it's it's amazing how you create a spot where you can do so much of this teaching. And so not only are you a a university professor, but you actually helped found Florida Gulf Coast University, uh, which is something you don't get to hear about the founding of universities very often. And I was curious about what that process was like.
0: That was such a cool opportunity. I am so grateful. I was able to come here. I was teaching at University of Florida in the College of Pharmacy, and I loved it there. It's a beautiful school. It's a great school. But then I heard that they're opening a new university, a new state university in in Fort Myers. And how often do you get to open a university? I, usually never. And so I quit UF to move down to FGCU to to open a university and it's been so excited and and it's kind of, there's a number of us who are still here from the beginning, but it's our baby. You know, we got here, when we interviewed, we had to wear hard hats because it was a construction zone. There were four buildings and 3,000 students and everybody knew everybody and we're 15,000 students now. So we have grown like crazy, but something cool about FGCU, there's many cool things, but one thing about us still being so new is you say I want to teach on a course on sex. Go. Go honey, go do it. Or I want to teach a course on cannabis, which doesn't usually happen and they say, "Yes, go." And it's a, a beautiful thing about this school is they they really support quality teaching. They're all about the interdisciplinarity, which that's one of the main things that got me here because the world is an interdisciplinary place. You can't study any one topic in a vacuum, especially sex and drugs. And we are committed to that integrated, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary study. And I love that about this school.
1: Um, And it is fascinating to see that you're focused on multidisciplinary. It's all over everything you can find out about yourself um, on the internet. And I was curious how you came to that focus on multidisciplinary and how you started to figure out the best ways to incorporate it so your students could understand it when you only have perhaps one semester with them.
0: Mm -hmm. That's how I came to it. I think it's because that's the cool part. So when I I first taught physiology, I've been teaching that for 25 years, and the fun things you want to stick in there are throw in a tv show throw in the history of how we learned this throw in all those other real world aspects and the real world doesn't only happen you know doesn't happen in a lab and so i think throwing those in just made it a richer course and then when i started teaching sex sex by itself you can't understand sex by only looking at the organs you have to talk about religion and law, and history, and philosophy, and psychology, and anthropology, you have to truly understand it. You have to look at it from all those aspects, and even more so with studying drugs and, and cannabis, because it the law, and the history, and the psychology, it all matters.
1: And for both of those topics of sex and cannabis, when students come to these courses of yours, what are the greatest misconceptions that you usually find that you want to correct uh, quickly?
0: Wow, um, for sex. Oh dear, there's so many with sex. Um, not understanding what you know same sex attraction is. Um, a lot of people don't think that the vagina changes shape and your penis will know and recognize if there's been another penis in there. I've heard that one a few times. No, that's not how it works. It doesn't yell. Bob was here, Bob was here. Um, what else? There's a lot because how do you get the information? I always ask the students, where do you learn this stuff? And they learn from their friends and their friends are learning it from other friends and you get it from the internet. And there's some wonderful sources on the internet, but there's some idiotic sources on the internet too. So we are not committed in America to true comprehensive sex ed and which is one of the main reasons we are number one for teen pregnancy and STIs. Yay, Team America! We're number one. And oh, we're now number one for maternal and infant mortality in the um, industrialized world. And a, a lot of that is well, lack of insurance, hospitals not following protocol, but a lot of it is lack of sex ed. So usually, there's a lot of <laughs> misconceptions that that we clear up now for drugs gosh there's a lot there too people this this new generation they are more <laughs> in tune i think to to the realities of cannabis than the, la- the older generations um but sometimes they're just getting it from well i did this and that was my response well i'm yeah, great that was your response but it doesn't mean it's
1: everybody's when you were designing the course uh, weed the impact of marijuana on american life how did you imagine the flow of what you wanted uh, people to know?
0: Well, I'll tell you this the course began with Sam Walsh. He is a colleague of mine. He, his background is actually stand up comedy and public speaking. And he proposed the course and he said, let's teach a course on weed. And I found out about it that night and the next day called him and said, I must be in on this uh, because I had just published or was about to publish my textbook on human sexual, uh, not, on, on drugs, the other book on, on drugs and society. And so I said, I need in on this, I want in on this, so let's do a team-taught course. And we sat down to work on the design of the course, and we came up with independently pretty much the same idea that we would cover the, so the history, the science of it, you know, the physiology, pharmacology of it, the laws and policies, the economics, and the culture. So we knew it, it needed to be, and it's in integrated studies, which is interdisciplinary. We knew it needed to be an interdisciplinary class.
1: And so how many years have you been teaching this course now? This was the,
0: the cannabis class was our very first time. The course I teach about drugs, mind, body, and society, I've been doing that for 25 years. Uh, well, at FGCU for 22. Um, but this cannabis course is our very first time this semester. We just finished the first
1: one. Wow. So what did you learn through the course of teaching it?
0: oh wow it was drinking from the fire hose as they say because I did a deep dive in the research and because I wanted to know it all I wanted to learn as much as I can and I came in with a you know a lot of knowledge after writing the textbook but i think the thing with cannabis is we're learning so much all the time and the laws change literally from week to week so it's like oh it's you know legal in nine states oh nope now it's ten states and so it changes so fast and we're learning more about new receptors that they're discovering and new endocannabinoids they're discovering and so it's such a fast growing field that i i learned a ton and I learned a lot from my students because they have more, <laughs> more uh, real life experience with it. Let me just say that. And so they're talking about you know, the dabbing and the shatter and all the, the, the stuff that they are experiencing. And I'm learning from them, learning from their experiences in the dispensaries. And one of my students was very much into the glass blowing art that is a big subculture, I guess, in cannabis. And so I learned about that from him. So more than you always learn from your students, but more than usual, I learned from my students in this class.
1: And it's interesting. You have an initiative uh, called the Crew initiative for cannabis research, education, and workforce development. And it sounds like a very multidisciplinary uh, approach to getting students ready for entering the cannabis industry. Uh, How did you come about designing this?
0: Uh, This is... I'm so excited about this. So yes, the crew joined the crew, cannabis research, education and workforce development. How this started is, well, Sam and I were you know, planning the course, the cannabis course, and the newspaper found out about it and interviewed us about just the course. And once the story about the cannabis course was in the paper, oh my God, we were inundated. It's just all the dispensaries and so many people in the industry called us and said, we want to hire your students. (laughs) And that's a big focus is how, you know, in this economy, how do we get our students jobs? And they're coming to us saying, we want to hire your students. Let's give you some money to do this. They, They are coming to us. And Sam and I looked at each other and it's like, this is bigger than one course. And so we sat down and we came up with a crew. We presented it to our provost, Jim Lorenz, and our president, Mike Martin, and they said go. They said go for it. They are amazing. That is not going to happen at most universities, to be honest. I think because we're young, because we have great leadership, they're forward-thinking, innovative, supportive, they said go. And we're getting in early. In five years, everyone's going to want to do this, but because it is the fastest-growing industry in the country. But, so we're getting in early on this. They said go. They gave us some seed money. And I'm involved with planning the educational part of it. Sam is taking charge of workforce development and getting our, our students jobs and working on the internships. And we're slowly building to the research. I have a, a project planned for the spring. But I'm mostly right now working on the education. So we are going to have, uh, well, we have a major, the integrated studies major which is an interdisciplinary major and we will have a cannabis pathway so you can take 18 courses in cannabis um in the integrated studies major and we're also going to have an educational certificate through continuing ed an intensive five-day workshop that's for anyone in the community in the industry who do, you know don't want to get another major
1: what array of courses would people be able to take in this degree program
0: there's some basic core courses in the integrated studies major uh foundations of civic engagement uh, colloquium which is uh sus- explore sustainability which is related let's talk hemp and its sustainability and and, and sustainable growth uh, and cultivation practices there's a capstone course which is a senior project and then in the cannabis courses we have a bunch of them we're going to have the the overview cannabis course that we just taught which is I described the overview of cannabis the course I've been teaching for many years an overview of drugs mostly recreational drugs and and their history and their use and their effects then we're going to have a course on cannabis laws and policies I expect that one to change every week we'll have a course on horticulture and botany one on cannabis and the unique challenges of cannabis business with the banking situation, the tax situation. We're going to have one on the pharmacology and physiology of cannabis, its effects and, and also how to and the medicinal uses and how to do research. We're going to have cannabis and culture, the literature, the music, the t- uh, television, the movies, religion. We're going to have chemistry cooking and cannabis and how to make edibles and internships. And we will set students up in a cannabis-related field of their choice. So, if you're coming at it as a journalism major, there are cannabis magazines. We'll get you an internship. If you want sales, we'll get you into a dispensary. If you want to shadow a physician, we'll do that. So, there's so so many ways into this field, and we want to help students get in through a variety of disciplines.
1: Wow, that is a comprehensive. That That is so cool.
0: I, th- I, I believe we are the only interdisciplinary cannabis program of study in the country.
1: And so if you got uh, the additional funding in the green light, if you wanted to turn this into a major, what other components would your dream major have?
0: Okay. Well, major, in because we're a state university and there are some steps you have to go through to, to be a, a major standalone on its own. And we certainly might pursue that, but that's, it takes a few years because there's, you know, hoops you have to jump through. And so we would increase the variety of classes. We'll have one for um, healthcare in the industry. We'll, we'll have more classes, I think. And definitely, I love the idea of the internship. One of my one of my dreams is in the dispensaries i want to get an education ambassador in every dispensary in florida and then throughout the world but i want okay you think of a newbie you think of somebody who's 60 years old and they don't have any experience and they get some medical because only medical in florida at this point and they get a, a recommendation for medicinal cannabis and they go into a dispensary and they don't know What is an edible, we don't have edibles here, but what is a vape? They don't know vape. You know, they're back from the 70s where you got your $40 ounce of crap, you know? That was different back in the day. But I want to have somebody who's always there, who that's who they go to first, who will tell them, You know, you're going to want a vape for fast acting, but you might want a tincture that takes longer, it lasts longer, but it's slower onset. When would you use a vape versus an edible versus a tincture versus a topical? When would you use those? What is CBD and what does it do versus THC? What ratio do you want? What dosage? Because it's not an ounce anymore, you know, it's milligrams. So to explain to somebody, and this seems to me like a win-win because it's good for the patients who... You know, that's somebody to lead them into this and they're not just standing there in front of the, the bud tender feeling like they're wasting time. It's going to be somebody to make it easier and allay their fears. It's going to be better for the dispensaries because they don't have to spend time doing that and there's always somebody there. It's better for the, the public because there's education out there. So I think it's just a, I, I, I'm excited about this idea and so we can expand on that as we go. But that's definitely part of the internship that I want to see come to fruition.
1: It must be exciting to think about all the students that can pass through this and go out there to just make the world a greener place.
0: Yes. And, you know, it's about I'm I'm not saying everyone should go into cannabis, but if you're going to, let's be educated. And this is not going away. Who knows if it'll be a legalized for adult use i do believe in a few years it will be but medicinal is here and it's not going away so let's educate about it because there's misinformation people necessarily think that edibles are the safest way to go and i disagree you know there's some danger that with every drug on earth but there's some dangers you should be aware of with the edibles in that It takes a long time to kick in. And so we'll see people having a candy bar that has 600 milligrams. (laughs) It's a high dose. And they'll have one square. Oh, nothing happens. And they'll eat more. And they'll have more. And then by the time it kicks in, maybe they get the munchies and eat more. But you can have too strong an effect with the edibles because it takes a while. So to let people know that that's an effect the, the education is important. And, and when you eat it, it also goes through something called the first pass effect that it's converted into, sorry, science coming, 11-hydroxy-THC, which is actually more potent. So when you eat it, it's actually more potent and lasts longer. Now for certain things, it's great. If you want it, you know, for insomnia, you take it overnight, super, it lasts for a long time. But you need to know when you might want to take an edible versus a vape. And so I just want the education out there. I just want people to know the good and the bad, the realities
1: rather than the fallacies. Um, and do you have ideal students um, or certain backgrounds that you're especially hoping to attract to a program like this? Oh, See,
0: I love the interdisciplinary approach because I think you get a richer classroom experience when you hear from an art major and a religion major and somebody who's pre-med and a history major, I think it makes it better. So I don't personally, I mean, I'm, my background is the medicinal. And so I'm doing a project with some of my pre-meds. They're going to do a best practices survey of physicians. So, you know, my heart beats particularly strong for the science of it, but then my soul is (laughs) with the humanities. So I don't have a preference. I want to see them all.
1: Um, And do you have other research projects uh, you might want to talk about uh, that you get done uh, when you're not teaching? Well, honestly, my
0: research for the last fifteen years has been writing books, and so all of a sudden it's changing. And my project for the spring is going to be this big um, survey of dispensaries and the physicians and patients to get best practices, to get what do you recommend and what works and how do you know it works. So I really just want to do start with a survey, um, and then I'm encouraging just faculty here at FTCU to do some healthcare survey, do soil survey. I, had, I talked to somebody who's interested in looking at the survey, the soil. I just talked to a bioengineer about some dosing uh, technology. So there's so many different ways to go. Uh, but right now, <laughs> I'm just working on the education because there's only so many hours in a day. The research is coming though.
1: And I'm curious about these different textbooks you've written and how you go about something that's just so gigantic. It's, it's a
0: big job. So if I did one for, for physiology years ago. It was smaller. Uh, it was more of a lab book. But the human sexuality book, I'm proud of. It took seven years, 2,400 references. And you just – I'm really good at managing time. And so I just – you have to be <sighs> – self-motivated because basically they say all right go write a book we'll see you in you know three years and you have to make sure you sit down (laughs) every night for those three years and don't just say oh it's due tomorrow i didn't do anything and i just it's about two months per chapter i just read and read and read and read and read and read and talk to people and distill the huge amounts of information i'll tell you both of my textbooks are founded on critical thinking That's the theme that draws them together, whatever the topic is, because I want to encourage students, how do you read an article and know if it's crap? You know, how do you say this is good science and this is not? And so do a lot of that. You read a lot of articles and say, oh, this one has three subjects. Maybe that's not, it could be good. But maybe that's something to take into consideration. So you you just – you got to be self-motivated. You got to read a lot, <laughs> write a lot, and rewrite a lot. You go through, I think, like 40 – this is not exaggeration – 47 drafts of a chapter, something like
1: that. And it looks like an excellent book
0: one thing though if you look at the search history on my computer and it's like how to make meth in your kitchen and where to find a threesome and I swear <laughs> it's research <laughs> it's research but yeah it looks very suspicious
1: um you, I mean you just sound like one of those university professors who changes a lot of students lives with your enthusiasm and I was wondering what advice you have for students who are in university or in a degree program now um, Just advice in general for getting through it and how to make the most of it.
0: My basic advice, okay, college is the best. And don't neglect social and go have fun and go meet new people. But don't look at the classes as, oh my God, I have to do this thing. Learning is the coolest stuff. What other time in your lives are you going to say... All right, take four, five, six years and learn. And just, that's all we want you to do because that is the most human pleasure. You know, so all animals have pleasure in sex and sleep and and f- food, but learning, that's a human pleasure. So just to, it, even if there's a field that you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm interested in it, find the cool thing about it. Find something that interests you and it may change your life and bring you in a direction you never expected. But just to embrace Knowledge <laughs> knowledge is good, as they said in Animal House. So just to embrace it and just have fun learning.
1: Oh, wow, that's beautiful advice um, and a perfect spot to end. Um, I want to say thank you so much for your work pushing forward all the knowledge on cannabis and sexuality and removing the taboos. Um, I really appreciate a chance to, to learn more today. I had a pleasure talking
0: to you. Thank you so much. This was fun.
1: Greener Grass is a Bluebird Botanicals podcast. Their CBD oil supports a healthy body and a strong endocannabinoid system. They've got friendly customer service who can answer any of your questions, and the number is right there at the top of their webpage. But, per the FDA, they won't be able to make any medical claims for these nutritional supplements. That's also the reason you'll hear little about CBD on this show. There's no need for us to add more evidence about CBD when a simple Google search will give you more than you can read in a month of Sundays. So this show covers the cannabis world and more with editorial freedom from Bluebird Botanicals. Thanks for joining the Greener Grass podcast. As always, our audio alchemist is Matt Payne. The gypsy jazz theme music comes from Brett Van Donsel. Our beautiful bird sounds are courtesy of Lang Elliott. And I'm your host, Lex Pelger, wishing you a bright green day.